Welcome to episode number 84 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about explosion isolation flap valves and recent test results from Fight Corporation. To do that, we have on the call Jim Vingerhoots, Global Product Manager from Fight Corporation. Jim is based out of Antwerp, Belgium. He has over 13 years experience with Fike, almost 10 of those as an explosion protection scientist, and the last three years as their global product manager. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a recent test program that was completed by Fike on these explosion isolation flap valves. So Jim, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast and, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me in your podcast. So I'm really excited about this discussion. A couple of things that we like to do at uh, Safety Science and on this podcast are to highlight companies that are going above and beyond to understand explosion safety, to understand the phenomena involved, and that go to identify the important problems, the problems in the field that are actually causing issues. And I think that Fike's done this with this project around these explosion isolation flat valves. So in this episode, we're going to talk about you know what are flat valves, how are they used, how are they typically tested, the test program and results that Fike completed, and what recommendations they have from their their work in this testing overall. So Jim, before maybe we jump into the, the testing program, can you just briefly describe your current role with Fike? Yes, Chris. Uh, I am the global product manager for explosion protection. I overlook uh, most of our activities, uh, investments in explosion protection, protection products, uh, make sure that we make the correct products that are wanted by the industry and by our customers and that we advance science uh, also in the correct direction where there are gaps and where there is something to, to solve in industry. Yeah, and I, I do want to say to the audience and to yourself a big thank you for this, this program and the type of research that FICA has done over the years. It's been very innovative and it's also been helpful to solve some of these, these you know, big questions. So in terms of you know, flat valves, let's jump right in there. Probably a good place to start is what is a, a flat valve and can you give us some background on their use in industry? Sure, Chris. Flap valves have been in industry for, for a longer period of time, but it is until 2010 when, and short before 2010, we have seen or market has seen that they have been used as explosion isolation devices by the industry itself before flap valves were used uh, on the inlets, on the air inlet of dust collectors but not as explosion isolation device. They were there mainly to prevent that when dust collectors uh, were cleaned pneumatically or mechanically cleaned, the filter bags were cleaned, dust is then intended to fall into the hopper. Uh, Process air is typically not not halted, so the fan keeps on running. There is a pneumatic cleaning cycle or mechanical cleaning cycle. Dust falls in the hopper just to clean the filter bags, make them free, for further accumulation and filtering. If then, of course, some of the dust tends to go in the inlet line and accumulate on the pipe, on the inlet pipe, uh, that, that makes the, the operation of a, of a dust collector ineffective. And flap valves so, are opened by the regular, so back, back flaps, back, back flaps. They are opened by the regular airflow, uh, but when they are cleaned, when, when, Filter bags are cleaned, airflow reverses, flap closes and prevent that the collected dust re-enters uh, the upstream process or the pipeline. Then from 
before early before the 2010 uh, of course if industry started to become aware yeah if if they are back pressure flaps if they close off during to flow reversal uh, in a dust collector why wouldn't they close when there is uh, explosion pressure which also induces flow reversal and they started to being used as explosion isolation devices at that point uh, there was nothing in the scientific community on explosion protection that that had studied flap valves and uh, standardization committees and experts started uh, trials uh, laboratories started trying them uh, do explosions on test sites and to understand them yeah so i'll summarize some of that and it's it's hard to describe some of these mechanical devices so Fike has put together a white paper describing this research, and we'll include a link to that. Uh, I think the white paper is, is titled Our Explosion Isolation Flat Valves Safe. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 84. And you see some of the images and videos here, but what we're talking about is a cutting out a section of pipe and putting in a new section of pipe, essentially, that has a, a flap that goes across it diagonally. And it's such that the process flow the air coming in keeps that flap open. And what Jim's saying is before 2010, they were these were installed so that if you were cleaning your dust collector, if you had any backflow, the opposite direction, it would close that flap and then close off the the ducting so that uh, so that you didn't have dust coming back up into the the ducting line. As Jim mentioned in 2010, then they started actually realizing these could be used as explosion isolation devices. But because they're so new, there was you know some testing that was put in place and, and standardization that was put in place, and that's kind of where where things were at with this Spike program. I think a, a good place to jump in here, Jim. Is there anything I missed there in that that description actually that should be included as well in that summary? No, Chris. Uh, thank you for the good summary. So to continue, the since 2010, uh, Spike, but also other test houses uh, worked with flap valves and investigated their ability isolate explosions, dust explosions, uh, well to understand. Also, FIKE built a test rigs. Uh, we, we started developing our own flap valve. The standardization started to work with it. There were committees that looked at what should be the minimal design of a flap valve to perform as an explosion isolation design uh, device. How should they be tested? We were testing them. We were buying flap valves on the market trying and trying also to build a variant uh, of ourselves uh, to, to be able to sell that. And that uh, I think then uh, 2014, the, the European standard appeared, uh, the EN 16447, which describes design requirements and test protocols. The same year, the NFPA 69 included flap valves as explosion isolation devices. The, the 69, the NFPA 69, and does not include the test protocols required. It, it has some design requirements and it says that flap valves need to be tested correctly uh, and certified by a third independent third party, which could be ATEX. And the ATEX is then, yeah, the test protocol of the ATEX is the European standard 16447. We contributed to that standard uh, but we found a lot of uh, extra uh, findings uh, the, the years after and accumulated evidence up to now where we have discovered that the testing protocols are, are not correct and uh, the current testing protocols are missing some 
major parts uh, and they don't they don't cover the real world condition in which flap valves uh, are inserted in the field and if you insert if you change the test protocol to include the real world condition we have seen failures uh, from from different types and, and technologies of flap valves severe failures and we need we need to address that as soon as possible we can go in detail uh, one by one uh, if you want chris uh, unless you want to summarize here i think it's a good idea to go into the three of them but maybe is there is there a summary of the test protocol what does that look like for the audience you know what is the standard test protocol today and then i think the three issues will jump into those separately yeah so the test pro- test protocol is basically that you have a, an explosion test vessel, a pipe, and a flap valve. The explosion test vessel must be small enough to cover the intended use. So if you test on one cubic meter, uh, your flap valve will be certified for one cubic meter and more, but not less. You need a pipe. The length of the pipe is important. If you install a three meter pipe and then a flap and the explosion is successful, the installation distance of your flap valve is three meter. If you test a three meter and five meter pipe, the installation distance uh, is three to five meter on the condition that the experiments were successful. The other is that you are encouraged to use a fan and a blower uh, to keep the flap valve open as it is intended in the field and then start the explosion in the test vessel. However, it is not easy to use a fan or a blower in such an explosion test. Often this fan gets involved in the explosion and destroyed. So this standard allows an alternative method use a fan or blower, but keep the flap artificially open until the time that it would close in a real situation, which is typically at or shortly after explosion ignition when the flow starts to reverse. The third important requirement on the testing protocol is that you test as intended on the explosion vessel. If you if you intend to use flap valves with a vented vessel, you test with a vented vessel. If you intend the flap valves to be used with a suppressed vessel, you can with suppressed vessel or a contained vessel. That are three main that are to be main parts of the protocols, which we found to be loose and, and not complete. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I I've, I've drawn a picture here, so I'll summarize some of the the components. So you mentioned that it needs to be tested on a vessel of a, a given size. So this is would be a you know, could be a cubic meter chamber or a larger vessel. And you mentioned that then it's certified to perform at that vessel size and anything larger than that vessel size. Was that correct? Correct. Why not smaller than that vessel size? Why Why is that a, a case? If it is smaller, then the duration of the explosion pressure in the vessel may be very short and not long enough to really close the flap and, and, and lock it. So flap valves have, have always locking mechanisms. So once they are slammed against their seat uh, due to a developing explosion and the flow reversal that comes with it. Uh, when it's aggressive, they are locked. Um, if you didn't, and the locking is important that they will not start reopening after the 
explosion, first explosion pressure has happened. Smaller vessels may be very short of an explosion duration and not be able to to lock the flap. That's why it's not allowed to use it if it's not tested with a small vessel. That makes sense. So that was number one. Number two was the the length of pipe between the vessel and the um, isolation flap valve. And you said that, that has to be tested at, at if you did at two distances, then you're you're valid between those two distances. So the example you used was three meters and five meters. Then you could use that flat valve on a vessel volume greater than one you tested and up to three to five meters of piping. You mentioned the fan plus the blower system is is difficult to maintain on this open pipe. In in the standard test, there's nothing on the other side of the flat valve. Is that correct? Just blowing out to ambient air? Correct. The standard uh advises to use cameras uh, that look very close on the protected side of the flap valve to really see that no small sparks or, or any flame would would come out during an explosion. So a camera uh, close to the other side of the flap valve uh, away from the explosion, uh, high-speed video camera to see if small sparks would maybe yeah, propagate through through the through the flap valve and, and its seat. So that was the third thing you mentioned, and the difficulty there is keeping the flap valve open with a fan, a blower into you know an open-ended pipe is hard. So they they use a you know a, a line or um, I'm going to say fishing line, but some sort of string to hold up the the flap valve. And the last one you mentioned was the protection that's provided on the vessel needs to be the same as the protection that's provided on the vessel in the field. So if it's venting. It should be venting. If it's suppression, it should be suppression. I think it's important to highlight that and, and give the listeners an idea what that looks like because of the, the things I think you found from reading over the white paper are, you know, tie into a lot of those aspects. So maybe we'll, we'll jump into that. Actually, maybe before we, we did, you, you talked a bit about the scope of this testing program. We can just give an idea of how many, you don't need a specific number, but just how long Fike's been working on this testing program or how many pieces of equipment have been tested or just to give an idea of how big the testing program was? Yeah, so since uh, 2010 up until now, um, we have done for sure 100 tests uh, with, with several types of flap valves in several yeah. conditions. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of I had a idea that this was a big program. So I want to make sure the audience kind of got an idea of that as well. Um, I'm sure not cheap <laughs> to do. <laughs> so we appreciate the work. It was mainly in support of our own product development and a good understanding uh, of, of the, of the science and the, and the safety aspects that come along with it. So what are some of the, the findings? So we sort of set a, a idea of what the testing program, you know, the protocol looks like, what the testing program looked like. What did Fike see from this testing program? What were some of the, the things that came up? Yeah, the, the major uh, point uh, is uh, at some point we started to, yeah, we have blowers and, and we could work with blowers. We made systems that they were not involved in the flame by additional protection. So we had blowers, we had fans. We included pipelines at both sides of the, the flap valve. Uh, in order to get this process flow right, we added dust injectors on the pipes to make sure that there was dust everywhere. And then we found something that that is that is that is new or that is not understood by the markets and the industry at this point in time. Uh, if you have a, another pipe at the protected side of the flap valve, so 
another pipe. So you have two pipes. You have a pipe in between the test vessel and the flap valve, three to four meter, five meter insulation distance that we discussed. And then you have a flap valve. And then you have another pipe of a, of a considerable length, a couple of a 10 meter, for instance, not a small, a larger pipe, a longer pipe there. What happens when the flap valve closes uh, during the explosion-induced uh, flow reversal? Uh, yeah, that flow, that air, that, that, that medium is flowing at high speed, closing the flap, 100 meter per second, and suddenly you cut off a moving fluid by a closed flap valve. What happens at the protected side? Yeah, that fluid moves and it cannot stop moving suddenly. So it will it will continue moving and create a deep vacuum at the protected side of the flap valve. Then it will be pulled into that vacuum and create a sudden overpressure at the protected side of the flap valve. You have these air column oscillations creating easily two, 300 millibar under pressure, over pressure, under pressure, over pressure until it dies out. And it depends, the frequency and amplitude depends a little bit on the pipe length, uh, L over D or in relation to its diameter. There is some new, there is some, there is some investigation that, that could be done in, in addition to what we have already. However, these additional pressures, uh, they increase the pressure differential over the valve. So when you think you had eight, uh, 600 millibar during your test, now suddenly you have 900 millibar differential pressure. And a couple of tens of milliseconds later, you get an overpressure on the protected side trying to push the flap back open. And we have seen that these pressures typically tend to, to, have, to induce mechanical damage to either the flap shaft or the locking mechanisms. So if you do explosions close to the intended use or 70% of the rated period, then you create additional pressures in the protected zone that make the total pressure that this valve sees much higher than it was intended for. If it was corrected according to the regular protocols of the standard, Fail damage, fa mechanical failure, flame sees openings, finds the protected side of the valve, and starts a secondary explosion. Not only a, a regular secondary explosion, no, a, an explosion in a pipeline which is mostly closed off at one side by a mostly closed valve with some openings of distortion and an open pipeline. So you get a, a cannonball effect, aggressive flame accelerations. Okay, we measure these accelerations. We haven't had a secondary vessel there in our test setup, but you could imagine how a secondary explosion could, could happen at the other side of the pipe. Yeah, and I'll I'll give the viewers a, a visual on that maybe. Um, when they do testing in tubes, you can do it two ways, even with gas, with a with small gas explosion or a gas flame. You can do an open tube, open on both ends, and ignite it, and you get a flame that propagates usually close to the laminar burning velocity, or if it's turbulent, it'll, it will go faster. But if you close that bottom end of the tube, the gas has to expand. So you get the flame velocity plus the expansion velocity. And I know we're getting kind of technical here, but this is a, a really good research program. So it's making me think of these things. So if that flat valve is closed and you have the secondary explosion on the protected side, it's like you have a closed tube. And as that explosion's happening, it's propagating, but it's also getting pushed out to the expansion of the reaction, the products, which like you said, would make more for a much more aggressive explosion. 
So not only is it not potentially do the thing that it was supposed to do, which was stop the explosion from continuing in the duct, but it may actually make a more aggressive explosion. And you, you mentioned some of the damages to the flap valve. Can you highlight some of the, like, is uh, the flap valve totally destroyed in some of these cases? Or is it just, you know, how do the, the flap valves get uh, impacted by this type of vacuum and then oscillations and then, you know, other explosions happening? It is typically distortion of the flap itself. It is a bending of the flap or the, of the, the hinge or the shaft where the flap rotates, either the hinge or the blade of the flap. And often also the locking mechanisms. So locking mechanisms are they 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 are small metal pieces that keep once pushed in they they tend to to restrict valve movement, blade movement. Uh, they are not intended uh, to withstand. Typically, we've seen if we, of, of, of several designs to have this, this this other pressure, the back pressure that tries to reopen them. So, if a locking mechanism fails, then the flap hangs there uh, and can move in, in any direction just with with the oscillations of the flow. So, either one of these uh, that is the typical failure modes. I haven't seen any of the test results, so I've heard of other tests where the the flap ends up looking like a pretzel or, you know, it's completely distorted out of shape. Is there, is there a size effect here? I'm thinking if you had a larger flap valve, would it be more likely to have some of these issues? We have not done the full size investigation yet. Uh, we have been mainly DN600 and lower. Uh, that was our, our scope until now. Okay. So DN100 to DN600 was our major investigation size scope. Okay, and so I think in your in this white paper I was looking at, you called this the protected zone pipeline. Is that is that the right part of this? Yes, we call that the protected zone pipeline, and that that should be added in the test protocol. Uh, that is that is our 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 wish. Let's say that makes sense. So you're testing more like what it actually is in the field. Correct. Okay, I think we'll probably come back to that when we look at some of the recommendations. But I know you have a couple other things that you you noticed during this testing, so maybe we'll move on to to those. So, what is the the second kind of problem that you saw? Yeah, referring back to the earlier, what what is the current test protocol? It allows not to use a, f- a fan or blower, but keep the flap open artificially without process flow in, in the test, and release it at the correct time of flow reversal. First of all. That are the words of the standard. Uh, the standard is not wrong there. It, it is correct. The standard says release at the time of flow reversal. We we have noticed that that not every test lab knows exactly how to do that, and it is also not easy to do. Because how would you measure uh, flow reversal? You would need all kinds of measurements. So we've seen that uh, that. Testing has used a just a weak fishing line, and and hope that uh, that the fishing line would break uh, as soon as there is flow reversal and there's some pressure on the on the line and, and the flap push pulling that line uh, break that line. And yeah, if we recreated that that scenario, uh, the flap that we had there, uh, the, the the flap that is available for purchase, it it worked. The, the isolation was successful. But then we looked with high-speed video cameras on, on, on the shaft. You can see exactly how where is the, the opening position, the, the angle. We found it close already during dust injection. 
So with just injection prior to ignition, there is already some pressure and it was enough. It So the flap was closed almost when the explosion had to start. Of course, in that case, flame doesn't want to travel to the flap valve. It wants to travel to the vent, to the open vent panel. Also, the the angular velocities of which the flap hits on, on its seat is, is low. When we then use our test protocol, where it is a, a well-controlled pneumatic actuator release mechanism, and we just, our test control system knows exactly, then I do start dust injection, then I start ignition, then I, I command to release the flap. Uh, much higher closure velocities, because there is already a pressure, an explosion pressure when the flap is released. Also much higher pressures in both unprotected and protected pipeline. And this flap failed. There was uh, again mechanical damage and failure. What we ask is that the standard not only says, yeah, make sure you, you hold it until flow reversal. It should describe the correct technologies and mechanisms that, that you can validate that the test was was valid. That makes sense. And so the way uh, Fike and your team did that was with a pneumatic actuator and then actually a camera looking at the flap, making sure it's it's closing at the same timestamp that the explosion's happening. Correct. Uh, validation of the timing with high-speed camera in addition to uh, trying to find the correct release mechanism. And is the pneumatic actuator, is that still set to go off at a specific time, or does it actually have a pressure sensor in there to determine when it actuates? No, it is. A, you can command it. You you just you actuate it by an actuator control. A controller can command it to actuate. And if you know the reaction time, it is it is a pneumatic transmission mechanism. If you know it's ten milliseconds to react, then you know exactly when to command it uh, to act at the correct time. That makes sense. So we've covered two of the issues. The first one was this testing with only the vessel side ducting, not having the explosion protected side. Um, that's a that's a difficulty. And then the other is having a more accurate release mechanism for this flat valve, so it's not closed before you even start the explosion. So it, again, more mimics what uh, what would be seen in the field. Um, what is the the third thing that you guys found from your testing? Yeah, that is about the explosion vessel arrangements, venting, suppression, containment, as of in correlation with the intended use of the flap valve. Of course, uh, in most cases, a flap valve is used with a vented vessel in industry, and that is the, the almost all testing is, is restricted to that. We have seen that uh, the test houses that, that, that do ATIC certification. Uh, that they, there are that use an open port and not a vent panel, so just an open port, not a foil, not a foil or a vent panel. They they probably do that uh, to avoid that the dust injector creates overpressure, which already starts closing the valve prematurely. So they leave the port open so that the dust injection is there and it doesn't create overpressure. But what happens if you initiate the explosion? the flame immediately finds the open port and that is its preferential propagation path. And if the flap valve is closed a little bit after, uh, it doesn't want to propagate to the flap valve. Uh, it maybe propagates halfway the pipeline in between the explosion test vessel and the flap valve. Uh, yeah, it doesn't reach it. So 
and also less pressures because you start fending at immediately in, instead of after a bursting of event panel. The, the seal is not is not challenged. The, the seal that seals off the, the valve from its from its seat is not challenged by flame. The installation distance is not challenged correctly. This 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 method could uh, result in in, uh, in in two optimistic certification values, both on the pressure side as as well on the installation distance, and and then lead to uh, dangerous situations in the field where, of course, there is always a, a vent panel in combination with a protected dust collector. So we ask here the standard to be more explicit uh, and 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 don't allow open ports as fending methods, but always a, a real industrial used venting scheme. Yeah, and I'm sure some of the, the audience that are listening are, are really interested in this, but I do want to, I want to make an important point here. The reason that this is, is really important is when you install the system in the field, it's going to have the vent or the suppression system that's there. It's going to have the piping. Um, it's going to be closed by the, the actual back pressure of the explosion. And if you do this validation work um, and certify the explosion valve, and it's not correct in the field, you're, it's not going to stop the explosion. <laughs> That's the, what we're trying to avoid from happening at the end of the day with this test program, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. Good summary. So there's really these three difficulties. Was there anything else that you saw before we get into some of the recommendations from this program that uh, is worth you know, mentioning for the, the audience that's listening? We have some smaller uh, remarks, um, but they are going in, in very technical details and their effect is, is less severe. We have, these are the three major problems with the current standard. Okay, and I did mention there's a, a, a white paper and a PDF download of it, and we'll include a link in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 84. And I'm sure if you reach out to, to Jim, he can give you an idea of what they're kind of testing they're doing in the future as well. Maybe to close off this episode, what, so can you give a summary of the recommendations then that came out of this testing program? Sure, Chris. Uh, we've seen uh, a consistent failure uh, when, when you apply flap valves in a real-world conditions and uh, certified, already certified flap valves. So we don't know how many uh, are correct, tested correctly or, or would, would be would potentially be un unsafe or not perform correctly. So what we ask is uh, is change the testing standards, the, the EN 16447 to, to include additional elements that reflect real world in, in the testing protocols. On the other hand, uh, we should look at all flap valves available and installed and, and check if they are tested correctly or not. So these three, the main problems, if, if we can check them off. Did that flap valve here installed that is available for has it been tested with the protected zone pipeline? Has it been tested with the flap held in open position until ignition or after? Or has it been tested with a blower? Has it been tested with vent panels or foils instead of open ports? If the answer is yes to the three of these, it is, it is okay, it is, we can rely on it we can rely on the on the safety function. If one of these three is, is a negative answer, we it is our, our our position statement, this flap valve has to be retested to check if it is safe. 
maybe it survives the correct tests, uh, maybe not. Maybe it has to be derated, maybe it has to be reinforced uh, or, or exchanged by another explosion isolation device. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it, it's got to act correctly in the field. If it doesn't, then it's, you know, it may not do its job or it may even become more of a hazard. So I, I think those recommendations make sense looking at developing a new testing protocol. Are you currently working with EN16447 or any of the other kind of standard bodies on that with your, with your research? Have you presented it through to them? Uh, yes, sure, Chris. We uh, presented the findings to the uh, European Standardization Committee, the CENTC305 Workgroup 3, which is responsible for uh, standards on explosion protection systems. Uh, yes, uh, a workgroup has been started up uh, for standard revision. That has been decided already, and, and multiple people have our candidate have, have been candidate to work uh, with us on, on, on changing of the testing protocols. That, that is started. Typically takes uh, somewhat more time because once you start changing a standard, you, you want to include everything that is known and then everybody can put his findings on the table. So that may at least take two or three years before that is, is finished. Um, in the meantime, uh, we have to be careful and, and check every flap valve if it, was been, if it has been tested correctly or, or if not retested. Okay, I think that's a good place to, to leave off this episode. Are there any other final, final thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with before we close off? In general, I think flap valves have been relatively new technology compared to more traditional explosion isolation systems. Isolation gate valves, chemical barriers, they have been in use for, for much more years and have been demonstrated their performance over a longer period of time. New technologies, we, we may have been a little bit too fast in, in accepting them. That, that is maybe a lesson learned uh, from industry. If you accept, scientific community was almost forced to give a rapid advice because it was already in use. And then you, you may not have all findings. Uh, maybe we should be a little bit slower in accepting uh, explosion protection technologies. Uh, that, that may be a lesson learned for, for the future. Yeah, it reminds me of the saying, slow to hire, fast to fire. <laughs> so now we're, we got to be slower on the, the starting process um, and also fast to replace. And that ties into what people should be doing today if they hear this is to contact their manufacturers to get the specific understanding of how that system was tested um, and to understand whether or not it's actually safe in place today. So I, I really appreciate you, one, the work that the FIKE did here. Uh, you mentioned the scientific community was lagging a bit behind. Um, we would still be lagging behind if if uh, it wasn't for Fike picking up this research program and doing this work. So I appreciate that, um, and I, I'm sure the audience does as well. I want to say thank you again for coming on the, the podcast and sharing this information out, and I think the audience will find it really helpful. So thank you very much, and I think we'll probably have you back on the podcast talking about this topic in a in a you know in the future as as things develop. Thank you very much, Chris, for uh, for having me. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Jim Vingerhoots. Global Product Manager at Fike Corporation based out of Antwerp, Belgium. And we're talking about our explosion isolation flap valves safe, recent test results from Fike, and this is all based on a white paper that they've written in a research program that they've done over the last decade on these flap valves. We covered a bit of the history. So before 2010, these type of devices or similar devices were used 
on dust collection systems to prevent backflow, say when you're cleaning the system, when you turn the system offline. But in 2010, the industry started looking at using them to also prevent explosion isolation from the dust collector or the process vessel back into the, the facility through the ducting and through the pipeline. At that time, they came up the, the standards committees came up with a testing protocol for this type of system. Um, it's outlined in EN 16447. It involves a testing vessel, um, a pipe, then the explosion flap valve. And, and Jim mentioned a couple things here. The volume of the vessel is important. The length of the pipe between the vessel and the flap valve is important. The, the way the flap valve is actually kept open during the test is important. And also the explosion suppression um, or ex- explosion protection, rather, uh, system on the, the processing vessel. So this could be venting, it could be suppression. All those are important and identified in the standard as um, important to when you're doing the testing. Through this research program, Fike found a one did you know a lot of tests with a lot of flap valves on the market um, at different uh, you know sizes and, and lengths of ducting and different um, considerations for that, and found some issues. Found issues around not doing explosion testing with piping on both sides. So in the you know protected zone or the protected side of the pipe, that piping's not there. You don't get this big vacuum effect. But the piping is there, which would be in a processing operation. This vacuum oscillates against the 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 flap against the plate um, and can do damage enough to destroy the plate enough to allow the explosion to propagate through. Also found issues around accuracy in um, activating the flap valve in the tests, and also found issues around the proper replicating what's happening in the field with the explosion protection system. So if you just have an opened um, vessel, then the explosion when you ignite it, it's going to propagate out that open hole and not even, you know, it's going to be propagating much weaker up the processing line towards a flat valve. So I think the, the overall summary would be the testing protocol needs to mimic the in-place use of these type of systems. And then Fike really identified a couple of places that are the most critical that are sort of missing in, in operation today. So Jim had a couple of recommendations um, and that they're working with the standards committees and just working about getting this knowledge out there more um, broadly, which is why you know we have them on the podcast, why they're pu- publishing this white paper. These recommendations include coming up with a new testing protocol, um, and we talked a lot, a lot about that in the episode, um, reviewing the flat valves that are in the field now, and determining how far off they are from you know these testing conditions. Were they tested using an open vessel and you know a flat valve that started in the closed position? And didn't have the didn't have the uh, the extended pipeline. It was a node all three things. Well, then you really need to be critically looking at those. And as Jim mentioned, even if it's a node one one of those three things, then we also need to be having a critical look at them. So I consider, you know, the next step probably to reach out to manufacturers, start asking some questions, and make sure that your system's safe. And as we move into the you know the the months and years ahead, we'll look at uh, improving this this use of these type of technology in the field. So I want to say thank you again to Jim for coming on and for Fike for doing this work. I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll have Jim's contact information or a way to contact him in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 84. We'll have a link to the white paper that uh, Fike's put out on this. And as always, I hope everyone stays safe this week. I want to say thank you for everything you do. The industry's handling combustible dust around the world. 